If you enjoy the LA Intergroup's Virtual Speakers Bureau podcasts, consider joining over 500 OA members for our annual OA birthday party, which will be held January 17th through 19th in Los Angeles at the LAX Four Points Hotel. There's free transportation from the airport, so ditch the cold weather and join us for a wonderful weekend of OA recovery. Visit oabirthday.com for more information. My name is Matt, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, to be really honest with you, I think first off that this, the room is set up this way. I think honestly, kind of goes against what we're doing here in Overeaters Anonymous, which is that the whole point is, is for me, it's like I'm here to share my experience with you, and the only reason why I was able to get the program is because for the first time in my life I got to be in a place where people weren't telling me what to do. They were simply sharing with me their experience. So when I get to be in a place where I'm on even playing field, literally even playing field with you all, um, for those of you who are listening, we're in an auditorium essentially. So everyone kind of staggered up and it doesn't feel like a meeting at all. <laughs> um, and for me also the idea of sitting around in a circle with people who were of different ages, different sizes, it kind of put me um, not also not so much just on your level, but also just um, me feel like I was a part of something. Um, because for me, my biggest thing was I was isolating myself because I thought I was better than you, or I thought I was worse than you. There really wasn't much middle ground. And um, I think uh, most importantly, like what I need to say, and I, I have to say it every day, is just that I'm only here simply because of you guys. You know, whatever it is that I've that has kept me here for seven years, it's because of everything that you all have um, given me. And um, I'll, uh, that's around my picture. It's just on my phone, so. <laughs> Don't start, like, creeping around. Or <laughs> I had used my phone before, but I went through Facebook and someone had, like, liked my picture from like I was like did you why'd you like your picture from when you were big on Facebook <laughs> um thing is like I've shared my story so much and I've shared my story so much I'm kind of really tired of sharing my story because the point is is like I can sit here and tell you how like you know I came into the program and I surrendered and I was so fucking powerless and I worked the steps and I got a sponsor and the whole point is like the simplicity of the program it says if you're really done with what you're doing you get a sponsor and do what you're told and I was done with the food I just couldn't do it and then like my idea of what surrender meant it grew so first it's like it was just about not compulsively overeating so then it was like okay I'm going to eat three meals a day no flour no sugar and that's what I did and I committed my food every day and I did whatever step work my sponsor told me to do and I did a lot of service even when I didn't want to do it Putting away chairs, like doing all that stuff. And I don't say that to you because like, oh, I'm this really great OA guy and I like good service and shit. I did it because like I wanted to lose weight. I was tired of the compulsion of overeating. I was tired of how I felt. I hated my life. I hated my life. That's why, that's why I did it. I'm still like really not liking this situation. <laughs> um... And um... But like to be really honest with you, like I did that for the first six years of, of program. 
and um, like life got better. I eventually left a job I didn't want to have. I started to pursue my dreams, started to realize like I'm a creative person. Um, I, I got to go home and make amends. I got to have all those experiences that the, pro that the program promises you. Um, but to be really honest, I think something was still really missing. And I really do believe in like, you know, when you get absent, you get honest because you can't do it anymore. And if I don't get honest, then I eat. And I remember the last time I shared at this meeting, it was right after uh, my ex-wife and I decided to divorce. And I was living on my friend's couch. And I quit one of my part-time jobs because it was just killing me and it wasn't something I wanted to do. And I was so angry. And for anyone here who knows me in program, it's like I, I lost, you know, to qualify seven years of abstinence, I'm down 160 pounds from my top weight. So I used to weigh over 340 pounds. And um, the thing is, is like I was 340 pounds of happy, jolly joy, like let me be this picture-perfect idea of what you want me to be. And I was 340 pounds and I was extremely unhappy. And I even had friends who told me just this past year, they're like, you know, you seem like you're a much happier person when you were in college. I'm like, you mean when I was fat? And I said, Let's, let me tell you, Dan, there's not too many morbidly obese, happy people walking around. You know, that's just bullshit. Because for me, the decisions I make for myself when I'm at a healthy weight are much different than decisions I make for myself um, when I'm 340 pounds and when I'm in body obsession. And another thing that really happened to me that I really remember is like I was at a Thanksgiving. Um, when I first got asked and I, I lost and, I, and the weight came off, I got really scared to eat. I got really scared about trying to be perfect with the food because like I had lost all this weight and I didn't want to gain it back. Like I had a real, real, real healthy fear of the food and a real healthy fear of my compulsion. You know, and I was really trying to do it perfectly and I felt like I wasn't doing it perfectly because I was in someone else's kitchen with someone else's, you know, utensils and everything. It just freaked me out. And, and someone told me, they're like, hey, Oh. <laughs> Did you come all the way to the valley to see me? Oh. <laughs> and uh, and I called up and I was just saying like I'm so scared like I'm doing the food wrong I'm doing the food wrong. He said you know you've asked God to relieve the compulsion over you, but you asked God to relieve the obsession. I'm like oh like this has to do with my mind. This has to do with my relationship with the world around me. And um, the thing is, I was fucking angry the first six years I was here in program. Because like, I was like, okay, the program's giving me all this stuff. I'm like, is this really as good as it gets? Is this really as good as it gets? I mean, like, I was really like getting resentful at Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm like doing all sorts of service, and I'm speaking at meetings, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'll tell you what happened to me is I... We don't do service just because we get to do a checkbox and we get a little grade that we get to go back to our sponsors and we tell people like how good we do. Like that's not what it's about. What happened to me was I went to the World Service Business Conference as a delegate. So I'm doing all this really boring business stuff where we sit there and we vote and I learn Robert's Rules of Orders that like, you think it's bad in a meeting. I mean, do it at, at, at like, do it with like the United Nations of compulsive overeaters. And <laughs> it's just like, you know, and, and then, oh, and then people just don't understand it. Oh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just, it's. But what happened was I got to be there for a week with these people who have long-term absence and they come from all different backgrounds. And this was when I was really struggling with my marriage. And 
doing all the work to keep it together. And the program taught me due diligence. It taught me, like, so I got us into couples counseling. Like, I was doing all my work. And the main thing that I knew, like, before I ever even decided if this marriage would work or not, I, like, I had to work on myself. And, like, I was constantly saying, God, please remove. Like, I knew I had the kind of tone of voice that I hated. I hated my tone of voice. I could just talk you into the ground. I could make you feel like the most worthless piece of shit. And it's because that's how my dad talked to me. Like, that's, that's like, it's not because, like, I am who I am. And I can't say, like, well, that's how my dad talked to me, so you just have to get used to it. You know, that's just how I'm going to be. Um, this program taught me, like, when I stopped eating, I, st- I got to start seeing what wasn't working. I got to start seeing what I really didn't like about myself. And for me, what the program did is, like, when I stopped eating, I started to see how much I disliked myself. And you know what the truth is? Some of those things I don't like about myself, it was reasonable for me not to like those things about myself. You know? It's like, I came in here and I thought I was going to get absent and get thin and my life was going to be great. And it's not great. I'm broke as shit. I took two buses to get here today because I gave up my car because I couldn't afford it. And you know what? I'm still learning how to do things. I'm still learning how to do money. I'm still learning how to do relationships. I'm still learning how to, like, call my mom and, like, let her talk. I'm still learning, like, I'm still learning how to eat. I'm still learning how to eat and to allow it to change. And I still call people and talk about this stuff. Like, I just don't give a shit what you guys think of me anymore. I, I, care, I still care so much about the world around me. God, I, I hate my bosses because I want them to like me and compliment me so much. So I hate them. So, but the whole point is, is like the main purpose of this book, the main purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous, it says in the big book, to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that can solve your problems. And it's like the meaning of that to me has just grown and grown and grown and it's like it's never ending. And um, one thing that changed my life when I got into, um, when I went to world service, I was sitting next to this woman at dinner and um, I was just telling her about my marriage and, and like she just she finally she just said she was mad sometimes love is sometimes love isn't sometimes love isn't enough because I had this black and white idea that like, if you love someone then you stick it out and you make it work and you do this and you do that and like the thing that the program has taught me is like spirituality is not black and white spirituality is based on you sitting with yourself and really finding out what your truth is and do your best of your ability treating other people around you with compassion and um, I would not have gotten what I needed if I didn't go to world service and sit there and vote on stupid things you know because like I needed that and um, I tried so hard to do this program perfectly you know each step is in order for a reason and, like, you really can't even put it into words what it means. You know, step one, we admitted we were powerless over compulsive overeating. Our lives are made unmanageable. Two, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that can restore sustaining. And three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. For me, step one, two, and three simply kind of mean just do what you're told. Because whatever I'm doing isn't working. The whole idea of taking image, like, if I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Someone said, um... My will or the decisions I make and my life are the results. So how do I turn the decision? Said someone. My will said is everything I am and everything I hope to become. You know. So like, how do I turn that over to the care of God? So like, for me, it's like, I, how do I manifest this program in a physical way? I live. You know, my sponsors says we live in a we live in a physical world, and this stuff in the book, it's like it's not like 
it's it's fluff. It's just air. It's what? How do I manifest this in a physical world? It's like there's things that I have to do. So if I'm going to make a decision for my will, and quite frankly, my will usually means everything I try to do to make my life happen the way I want it to, then maybe what I need to do is sit down and look at how my will has affected my life. So when I sat down and I did an inventory, it's like I didn't see my character defects. I just saw my resentments, I saw my sex inventory, I saw my fears, and I saw how all this shit played out in my life. So for me, the physical manifestation of turning my will over was literally writing shit down and turning to the next page, and writing shit down and turning to the next page. That's the only way that I know how to turn my will in my life over to the care of God. Putting it out there. Being fucking honest about it. Because you know what? The world really is too self-involved to really care even about how honest you are. So just be honest. I, whether you're in a 12-step program or not, I just think people, I think we're all just totally self-involved. And I think that's the human instinct. I really do. I think it's just part of who we are as people. I love the saying, like, we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And, like, this program is like... I see people come in here and like go through so much. I've seen people die in this program just in the seven years I've been here. I've seen people leave. I've seen people gain hundreds of pounds. I've seen people get divorced. I've seen people get married. And this is just in the small seven years I've been here. I still feel like I'm so new in this program. And um, it's like, you know, you read in school like about the hero's journey, you know. And it's like, God, like that hero, like he's always on this fucking uphill climb. And you're like, God, when is it going to turn? And it's just maybe it doesn't. And, like, I sit in these rooms and, like, I see all these stories and I see every one of you and it's like, you guys really are, like, my heroes. Like, you sit in a meeting and you hear some shit and, you know, like, after that meeting, you're like, that was some heavy shit, man. You're like, that was heavy. But it's like, yeah. Like, that's life. You know, I first learned how to be about the solution. Like, I was in a meeting in the Crescent Heights. I got, I got absent over here in the Hollywood area. So you guys got my most tumultuous years. And then I uh, went to the Valley for a bit, and then I moved back. I just moved back over here to Hollywood. And um, I was at an early morning meeting, and I didn't know this whole idea of one minute on the problem, two minutes on the solution. One minute on the, my sponsor said, one minute on the problem, two minutes on the solution. So the whole idea is like, if I can do that in my three-minute share, then maybe I can start, that thinking will start to process into my life. And don't get me wrong, I bitch and complain a lot, a lot. But I'm, I still will take action for myself. And there was this woman who had a long time in program, and she had just gotten pregnant. And it's interesting, it's like, how do women do this, do abstinence when they're pregnant? And how do they, and you get to see this over time. The more you're here, you get to see that we have a way of life that works for everything. And it's not black and white. I came in and I thought my absence had to be a specific way because that's what these guys were telling me what to do and so I did exactly what they did and a lot of them left the rooms because they ate a chicken leg and thigh for lunch and dinner and for breakfast they had oatmeal and they did it every single day and they didn't deviate. It's not what my life and that's not what my food is like today because life, is, life changes and I have to be able to grow and change with it and I do it with my sponsor. So I'm sitting in this little 7.30 a.m. dingy meeting at Crescent Heights and she starts to share and she just starts bawling. She was scared about being pregnant. And like within these three minutes, by the end of her share, she was so sane. Because she was like, da 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 and God is taking care. Like, and, and she found her solution. I'm like, oh. Like I go to meetings to learn. It's like we go to, we go to meet. Like I'm trying to find a spiritual experience here. 
that's what I'm here for. I'm trying to find a spiritual experience. I'm trying to find a way to do things differently. And it's like, a, it, it's, it's a numbers game. The more likely, fight, like, if you look at it, the more likely, you're more likely to have a spiritual experience, the more times you put yourself in a situation where it's possible to have a spiritual experience. That's why they say go to a lot of meetings. That's why they say be of service. That's why they say have sponsees. Call a sponsor. Like, I learned something there. But not because she was teaching me, but because I was experiencing it. And if I put myself in those situations, then I'm open to it. And here's what happened to me with the divorce. And this is like where I'm at now. Like, I'm on, I did the 12 steps really early on within like two years, my first two years, because the weight came off really fast and life happened really fast. And I really had to like, I had to find some sort of clarity. I had to really get over what I was eating over. And like the shit that I worked on on that fourth, that the first time around on the steps had everything to do with what I was eating over. And like this next time around, it's like I, the year I got divorced with steps was my sixth year. And like people say you kind of work a step a year. And I really do believe that. And I think the steps kind of work you. And, um, you know, step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And it hit me that everything that I was working on, like in those first years of recovery, had nothing to do with my character defects. And like in the six years, like we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And the thing is, I'm so fear-based. I'm so scared to make choices for myself. I'm so scared to have to take responsibility for the decisions I make. But the thing is, I never would have gotten to that point if I didn't stay absent and was willing to like look at these things. There's a lot more good days than bad days now. Never ever thought I would say that. Um, I'm so humble by the program. It's like, it's been a hard seven years. <laughs> I have five minutes left. It's been like a hard seven years in this program. I'm like, I've seen a lot. Um, so grateful for recovery. My brother got out of jail a couple months ago. My brother just got out of rehab and relapsed. And like, I called people. I called people in the fellowship. And one person said, just thank God that you found recovery. Like, God gave me the gift of recovery. And, like, there's a lot of days where I just sit and I think, like, why me? Um, um, this is what recovery looks like for me. It's, um, so I'm, even when I started dating this one girl, well, I started sleeping with this one girl. I, <laughs> I called a lot of people in program and was like, I'm going to start sleeping with this girl and I'm feeling weird about it. Because like the whole thing is the program is about having a life and part of having a life is dating and having sex and doing all those normal things. And as a compulsive overeater, I never got to do those normal things. And how do I do this stuff at a healthy body weight? And what is it like when women approach you and you're like, I'm not good looking and they're telling you you are and you're, it's just weird. And, and so like I call people and I allow myself to go out in the world and be normal, but then I can call someone on the phone and just be who I am and let them help me deal with like what's, you know, with my disease and then carry the recovery into my life. And now, like, even when I decided to move in with this girl, like we're living together in this really cool studio apartment in Hollywood and like, here's what happened last night. Like the thing is, is like, I got so tired of my, like how loud I could get. And like, I, I've been feeling so much guilt about my, my marriage and like how I treated my ex-wife and um, just how much I wanted to change her. 
to suit how I wanted her to feel. And the whole point is, like, I needed her to change. I needed all these things to change so much because I really didn't have the kind of relationship with a higher power that I needed in order to be in a relationship. Fix yourself so I'll be okay. And whether I want to admit it or not, like, everyone else is my higher power. And, like, the, what, the kind of consciousness of that awareness, like, when it hits you, it's, like, it's unbelievable. And what happened to me the other day was I was talking, and this is Alan on stuff, but the thing is, is like, this is the shit I ate over. So if, you're, if you still are upset about shit, then go to that program. The pro- this one 12-step program, it teaches you take responsibility for your shit and deal with it. That's OA. So if it means you go to another fellowship, then you go to another fellowship. So I'm on the phone with my mom, and like, my brother's still living at home. He's 28, and it's none of my business. But like, I can't visit when there's all this shit going on at home. And I said to my mom, I said, you're always going to choose the alcoholic, aren't you? She didn't say anything. And it hit me. It's like, that's what I was eating over. That's what I ate over. This sense of like, I'm just not enough, am I? And the thing is, it's not up to her to decide what she, like, what, what decisions she make really have nothing to do with me. I made it about that. And then like, it finally hit me. It's like, what if I, like, it hit me like I got really depressed. And I was like, I have to, I, I was like, I have to take care of my own needs. I was like, I have to take care of my own needs. And I'm walking around like, I have to take care of my own fucking needs. Like, well, fuck the world. This idea of life that I have to meet my own needs. Because you guys all owe me. You know? I've been through too much shit and you all owe me. And every day that thought crosses my mind, will y'all please just take care of me? Let me know that I'm worthy and please take care of me. And then it hit me like with my mom where it's like, it, so I'm going around saying like, I have to meet my own needs. I have to, and I'm like, it, it was just depressing me because it is like that. I have to choose my wording carefully. And like, it finally hit me. It's like, if I have to take care of my own needs, then what if it's because like, I can take care of my own needs? So then it started to shift. It's like, I can meet my own needs. Like, I can. I can. Why can't I? It's because God's given me everything that I need to meet my own needs. What happened last night with my girlfriend is she said something. I just, I was not in the right frame of mind and I snapped back at something that she said. And I, all she said was she wasn't doing the dishes, but I heard her say like a paragraph or something. <laughs> you know. And I just reacted as if like I had written her monologue that she just said. I mean, it was not... I, and then she, you know, she doesn't have any recovery. And then I was yelling at her for, for, for like not being patient with me because I just had a moment and I'm going to wrap up. And she just wanted to circulate it. She just wanted to keep going. And I heard myself raise my voice and I pointed my finger at her. You don't point your finger at a woman. Like I pointed my finger at her. <laughs> and, uh, and I heard myself, I heard myself raise my voice. I'm like, this, I can't do it. And I said, I'm walking out. Like, I'm coming back, but I, I need to get out. She hates that. She hates it when I walk out because then she's left with her feelings. And I'm like, that's your shit. And I, so I walked out. And, like, I, I did. I started to bawl because I heard my old self. And I'm like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want to feel like this. I called so many people last night and nobody picked up. And that's another thing. Like, we bitch when people don't pick up our phone calls. But maybe when no one picks up your phone calls, that is your chance to get connected with your own higher power because you have the solution. That finally clicked with me, too, because I got tired of being angry at people when they didn't pick up the phone. And you know what? I went back inside. 
She didn't want to talk. I said, okay. She still made me dinner, which was nice. And then, like... <laughs> and then she put that stuff on the table, and she's... Because and I said, can I give you a hug when I came in? She said, no. And then she put the food on the table, and she's like, you can give me a hug now. Because she's allowed to feel how she needs to feel. And um, that's the program. But it's time and program. It's not even the work I do. It's the experiences that God puts in front of me for me to learn from. And I'm grateful for all of you who continually saved my life. So thank you. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so uh, with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Yeah. The question was, how much writing do I do? Um, besides the assignment, when I... Literally, for the first six years, besides the assignments my sponsor gave me, I didn't write. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. And um, now, now, because... I'm really not wanting to act out on people. I'm writing every day. I probably write at least about three pages every day now. Or like last night when I got mad, I I wrote. Maybe it was only half a page, but like, it just, that's the thing. It's like even the tools and all this stuff, like I couldn't control how I brought it into my life because if someone forced me to write every day, I just wouldn't do it. So it just kind of developed with, you know, what I needed. The first time around that I did the steps, I, um, my sponsor had me, like, based on my list of character defects that I found in my, um, in my inventory, he had me pray over them every day, asking God to remove them. And I don't know how long I did that for, but it, it kind of seemed like a real, like, rote thing to do. Um, that's how I did it the first time around. I don't know how I'm going to do it now, because I'm finishing up my sixth step again but like as far as moving on to the next step I think it's usually just for me it's always been up to my sponsor um, but the whole idea of humbly asking God to remove our, my shortcomings um, I mean the thing is is like I don't know I, for me I kind of feel like step step eight made a list of the people we've harmed it's also kind of like you, you're not for me I, I, I'm never really willing to humbly give up anything until I first am humbled to realize why I need to give it up so for me, it's like step eight almost really makes me stop and be like, shit, I really need to humbly ask God to remove this so I don't keep harming people. So I need to, does that, so I just don't think, I think it's very straightforward, but I also think the process of it is very um, all-encompassing. Other question? When I came in a program, like I gave up the food really fast. Like I went really, I was over, I was about, I was over 300 pounds, and I went quickly into um, three meals a day, nothing in between, no white flour, no sugar, and I ate the same thing every day. So literally, like I did not have to think about the food because I knew what I was going to be doing. And so everything that I thought, it just got so loud. It got so so loud. And I literally needed people to tell me every day, like, what your, your feelings aren't fact. Not every thought is real. 
I never knew that. I thought every thought I had was real, and I thought that I had, I thought that I had to analyze every thought that came into my head. I really did. I really thought that I had to sit and deal with every thought that came into my head. I mean, it's literal hell. That, and for me, it's like people, you can kill yourself over the thoughts in your head. I mean, I can paralyze, I would have, I would have complete emotional and mental binges and hangovers. Because I would just go there, man, and go there and sit in it, and sit in it, and sit in it. And so on top of the program work my sponsors had me do, like my sponsors suggested some outside readings, and like I just read anything that was about God. So anything that had to do with like God or like changing my thinking, I read it. I needed anything to combat the negative shit my head was telling me. And, and a lot of AA literature. And then even after I'd read the big book and then the AA 12 and 12 and then it was pass it on and like to really understand the fellowship and it's like I was always like in something God based to keep me like just to fight every thought that came in my head. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not visiting my family this year. Um, I haven't visited them in a couple years. But the whole thing is, is like, I mean, I, even the whole idea of like, we sit here like, oh, it's just another day. It's not just another day. Like, it is, it is a holiday. And it, it is what people have made of it, no matter what, we have to deal with it. And, and quite frankly, I find it kind of scroogey to be like, oh, it's just another day. You know what? It's like people do enjoy the holiday. And even people who are crazy and dysfunctional in your families, they're trying to enjoy the holidays. And sometimes they just overdo it and then they don't. But like, I can't change them. So I try to enjoy the holidays. And do I maybe eat a little more than I would normally? Yeah, I heard a long-timer say that at, at a meeting before, and I was like, oh, okay. But I still eat my plate that feels comfortable to me, and I commit my food, and I focus on the people around me. I mean, here's the thing. The holidays and all this shit. I got, it, I got engaged at Christmas time and married at Disneyland, and my, and, my wedding, and my wedding was at Christmas time, and my honeymoon was at Disney World. All with this... Uh, all with this idea that if there is some sense of perfection then like it could work and the whole idea doesn't have to work and one thing I found in my household and with my girlfriend and it's like this idea that if you have a bad moment then you have a bad day Ugh. I'm always telling her like we just fought but I still had a good day I'm sorry your day's ruined like I alright let's move on you know so it's like if you go I just I mean, I grew up in a household where every holiday, I had a car, blow, there was a car that blew up one year, my, I had a dog that killed my dad, killed a cat, I had my people go in jail on my holidays, I mean, it was just not fun around the holidays, but I go to Thanksgiving in the park, I call people to see how they're doing, I do what the holidays are, I'd be like a normal person and be part of. Um, the question is, how did I change from needing... I don't know how to phrase this question. I'm just not going to try to rephrase it. <laughs> um, you guys did not have an opinion of me. You guys loved me. It's a difference. You guys never had an opinion of me. That's how I could start to love myself. You guys just wanted me to be here. 
health you and to sit with yourself and, until you finally have people that just want you to sit with them. You know? You guys, like, parented me. You guys taught me about the seventh tradition. You guys taught me how to, like, add to a solution. Because for the first time, I was around people who were all wanting a common solution, whether it was towards voting on how many chairs to set up at a meeting or whether it was how we're going to carry the message. Um, and you guys gave me opportunities to have self-esteem. You know, how do you build self-esteem but by doing a scheme of black? You know. So. so um, when when it's your will and God's will, some people are here saying, "Oh, do this," and I have a hard time with, with that every time. When well, I have an addict and a husband, I challenge myself. I'm challenged by that. So how, is, how do you let that go and know when it's your action to take? How do I know when it's my will and God's will versus God's will? Or when you need to do, like, do something and not. Um. If I need to get, like, is it my will or is it God's will? Most likely it's my will. <laughs> um, but also, like, the thing is, for me, I'm a compulsive overeater, so, like, I don't want to fuck up. So maybe, like, the point is is to go with your will and fuck up. Honestly, I think for me, like, that's been... Especially, I work, you know, I work with young guys, and, like, they're so scared of messing up. And I'm like, you know what? Go out there and mess up a little bit. And you'll realize you can stay absent through it. Because I needed to. I needed to realize it because life was scary, and so I didn't want to do anything. You know? And I was like, it's okay if you mess up. Is that it? One minute? Okay. Um, how am I using the program to deal with this new phase of my life and with my creative stuff? I mean, the whole idea is, like, it, it is the same thing. I think I think it's program is designed for living. So it's like whatever I do with program, I, how can I best carry that into my life? And a lot of times right now, it's just simply like um, whenever before I share a meeting or like before I lead a meeting, where I say God, I just the, what I say to myself is God, please give me the right intuitive thought, words, or actions. God, please give me the right intuitive thought, words, or actions to help me to be of service. And so it's like sometimes, especially with the work I want to do and with creative stuff, it's like, all right, I'm just going to shut up, not listen to myself, and do it. And um, and not focus on the results. But you're going to focus on the results. So for me, it's more and more it's about letting go of the judgment or sitting with the judgment or just knowing I'm going to be judging myself, but do it anyways. Like, be okay with those things that you have to sit with, you know. Yeah.